In Parashat Noach, something we encounter every year is the subject of Noach not being like Avraham, not being as ambitious as Avraham in doing hishtadlut to convert people to the ways of Hashem, and not as selfless and compassionate as Avraham to save and help people from destruction and decline. And the comparison is a powerful one because the Torah clearly states that Noach was a Sadiq, a generational giant, and obviously held merit we cannot even comprehend because Hashem spoke to Noach directly. I mean, Noach was basically a Navi. But what the comparison teaches us, Noach versus Avraham, is that there are two types of Sadiqim in this world, or at least two in this case. There's a Sadiq who is so elevated himself and so great within his own right and grows himself and his family up and up and up. And then there's the Sadiq that might do that too, but also cares for and fights for and works hard for others, for other people, to help other people, elevate other people, take care of other people, and inspire and protect and vouch for other people. And there's a big difference there, right? Once Sadiq reaches his greatest personal potential himself and personally and reaches great heights for himself, the other Sadiq helps others reach their greatest potential and through that reaches levels himself that are on a whole different playing field because it's, it's so beyond nature and life that it breaks spiritual ceilings, like in the case of Abraham. And what I think we could learn from this comparison and this analysis which holds practical weight for us as well, that we can learn, is Ahavat Yisrael, right? The love for others. And the mitzvah of the Ahavta Larecha Kamocha. Loving your fellow Jew as you love yourself. Or even just loving your fellow as you love yourself. Because what Avraham essentially did, and Moshe as well as we know, is these men loved and cared for and yearned in prayer for this nation, the Jewish people, for other people. And in the case of Avraham, even non-Jewish nations, just as much, if not more, than they did for themselves. Abraham prayed for, fought for, defended, and pounded day and night for the sake of other human beings to elevate them, save them, help them, and inspire them, and help them find Hashem. And for a human being to be able to do that, for a human being to be able to reach that next level of a sadiq where other people's lives, where their lives are dedicated to other people's lives, they have to have the greatest possible superhuman level of, of Ahava Israel and loving your fellow Jew as yourself. That could even be imagined. So something we can learn is one spiritual goal that we should all have if we look towards the Torah and the giants in the Torah and their midot as inspiration to grow and achieve is to get a greater level of Ahava Israel and loving others as we do ourselves. The question though becomes is how? Well, there are seven ways to grow Ahava Israel and fulfill loving your fellow as you love yourself. Well, well, there's actually much more, but we're going to focus on seven. Number one, see the good points in your fellow. See the good points in your fellow. You want to start fulfilling this mitzvah, this superhuman level of loving your fellow, the way you love yourself. We need to fight hard to see every good point a person has, no matter how difficult it is. Avraham, who literally tried to save Sedom, Sedom, the worst place you could possibly be. The place where the people were so evil and so against human nature and how evil they were. Abraham literally tried to find one merit. He tried to find a handful of Sadiqim in this town to justify saving the city. He tore through it in all his prayers to try to save Sedom. And for Abraham to attempt in general to convert the entire world to believe in Hashem, you can't imagine the types of people Abraham was exposed to. Forget idol worship, Abu Dazara, all that. 
Think about the disgusting, dirty behavior, the decrepit culture of some of these of these nations and cities and cultures that's documented. It's insane. But Abraham was able to see the good points in them, or at least the potential for good, and preached one Hashem to everyone. So we have to look for the good in people. Is there a person in work that drives you nuts? That bashes you, makes you feel bad, it's not nice, puts you down. Find the good point in the person. Is there a friend always gossiping about you, slandering you, leaving you out of things, making comments that annoy you? What's one good thing about this human being? Now, of course, people will say, this is hard, I'm human, this is crazy, I'm not Avraham Avinu. If someone steals from me, if someone insults me, if someone offends me, or didn't invite me to their kid's wedding, or they didn't say hi, they, how, could I, how could I look for the good points in, this, in, in these people? You know what we're supposed to say? Who cares? Who cares if it's not human? Who cares if it's hard? Who cares if you're not Avraham Avinu? We're not saying it's not hard. We're not saying it's not natural or it's wrong to feel resentment. We're not saying it's wrong to feel upset about these things or upset at these people. We're saying chip away at Hava Israel and loving others. Force yourself to see the good. That's number one. Number two, give your fellow the benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. The guy didn't pay you on time. Maybe he has money problems or maybe he forgot because he's dealing with a lot at home or maybe he had to pay other people who needed it more. The guy cut you off on the road, almost caused an accident. Maybe his wife's giving birth and he's speeding home. Again, very difficult, but it works this muscle. That's what we're trying to do here. Maybe she didn't say hi because it has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with anything personal to me. Many times in life, and we can think of a billion examples, we had situations where we catastrophized in our heads or created our own conspiracies or theories about something going on, only later to find out it was all innocent or all a coincidence or all just in our head or a misunderstanding or paranoia. Give benefit of the doubt. There's nothing worse than when we're judged or misjudged or misunderstood. So loving your fellow the way you love yourself means not doing to others what we don't like done to ourselves, which includes being judged. We hate being judged. We know people judge us whether unfairly or fairly, it doesn't matter. We don't like being judged, so we should not judge others. We should judge people favorably. Benefit of the doubt, that's number two. Number three, celebrate your fellow's joy and mourn your fellow's pain. Meaning, a friend gives you great news or an update or sharing excitement in something. It's human to think, good for you, but uh, why are you telling me this? I don't need to know you sold your house for a zillion dollars. I don't care that your son got into every Ivy League school while being the captain of 12 teams and scoring an internship. Why do I need to know that? Why, why do I need to know that you and your wife went to Ibiza on a 600-foot yacht, <laughs> right? Or being a bit more serious. Okay, she had a baby. Mabruk, beautiful. She got married. Okay, she lost weight. Or if you want to go in the other direction. Okay, her grandpa died at 99. Okay, she lost her job. She'll figure it out. Okay, she missed her flight. It's human to feel this way because naturally we're so self-centered. We're so focused on our own lives and our brains are chemically and neurologically wired. Evolutionarily even speaking, we're wired to care more about ourselves. And then next, of course, our families and very close friends. And maybe if we're lucky, we, we care about our extended family and friends. Meaning we're so focused on our lives, there's too much, that there's so much we can handle. But when a random community member or another person shares these intimate details with us, sometimes we get uncomfortable or impatient or bored or just superficially emotional towards it. It's natural. It's expected, but how do we get sub, uh, above nature, right? If we can turn on the compassionate switch, the empathy, and that's where the superhuman Avraham level stuff uh, starts to come out, that's where the gold is, right? Someone had a baby or got married, go to the bris, go to the wedding, sing and dance with the person, 
Make them laugh, compliment them, hug them, kiss them, celebrate with them, feel their joy. Feel their joy. Try to get the butterflies with them. Try to feel the feelings in your heart. Connect. Someone achieves something great. Clap for joy. Feel their pride. Someone wins a basketball game. Someone lands a job, makes a deal. Jump in joy for them. So what if it has nothing to do with you? Or on the other side, God forbid, someone loses a relative. Go to the Shiva, but don't just go eat ka'ak and leave. Look into their eyes. Feel their loss. Hear their stories. Ask about the person who passed. See their eyes water up. Get goosebumps as they describe the moments. Let chills run down your spine. Give them a helpful smile. Put a hand on the shoulder. Give a hug. Become one with the others around you. We are all responsible for each other and are all one. That's why the Torah says when we see someone down, we must help them. Even if it's our enemy, if we see someone struggling, we have to help them because we're all for one and one for all. Number four, and this is connected to number three in a way, do good deeds for your fellow. You overheard your friend is looking for help moving apartments, offer a hand. You hear your cousin is dying for these new sneakers, surprise her with them. Visit your grandma to make her happy. Visit an old age home. Visit a hospital. Help your friend with homework. Help your friend with chores. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. And this also means spiritually. You see your friends down, give them a call to cheer them up. Help them out. You see someone is in spiritual darkness, try to pull them out. Give them hizu, give them musad, give them rebuke. Your friend is addicted to something bad, sit him down. Help him overcome the bad midah. Save your friend from danger. Avraham risked his life to save Lot in a world war. You didn't have to do that. Sacrifice yourself for the sake of others. Number five, and this ties into benefit of the doubt a bit. Forgive your fellow. Forgive. Okay, this person slighted you. Okay, this person hurt you or someone you love or spoke about you or did something. Forgive. Forgiveness is a midah that Hashem practices 24-7. And is anyone more slighted than Hashem? Hashem literally gave us everything. Literally gave humans everything. And we use what He gifted us to sin and to slight Him. So what should Hashem say? No, Hashem forgives. So we must forgive others as well. It's very important. Number six, and this is from Sefer HaHinuch. Treat what's your fellows like it's yours. Treat what's your fellows like it's yours. Meaning, protect your friend's possessions. That's one example that Sefer HaHinuch gives. And other, his honor, honor his honor like it's yours. Protect his honor like it's yours. On the possession side, simply obviously treat your friend like it's yours, right? If you borrow money, if you borrow an item, etc. On the honor and spiritual side, treat your friend's reputation like it's yours. His image like it's yours. His success and growth like it's yours. Don't badmouth your friend or slander your friend or talk about his life and his problems and his struggles and his dreams and his goals. Opposite, change the subject if other people are talking about your friend. Defend him if others are attacking him. Clear his name or plead the fifth. Don't comment at all. Protect your friend's name. And if the person truly did something wrong, let Hashem handle it. Nothing to do with you. Don't worry. Hashem could get it done. And number seven, and this is huge, pray for your fellow. There is no greater way to love your fellow as you love yourself and achieve Ahavat Yisrael than praying for your friend. Because what you're doing there is you're sacrificing praying for yourself or for what you want to pray for your friend. And for what's his best, the way you would to yourself. This is the most perfect way to achieve this mitzvah, I think. And I think Rabbi Arush says the same thing, quoting Rabbi Nachman. And it makes complete sense. Avraham and Moshe prayed for others more than anyone else in the history of existence. They prayed more for others than they did for themselves. It was always about other people. Their success, other people's lives, other people's growth. Asking Hashem to forgive other people, help them, give to them. 
So we could do the same. It might be difficult at the beginning, but when we start trying, over time we get better at it. Pray for this guy's health, his wealth, shalom bayi, that he achieves his goals, that he finds peace and happiness. You want to hit crazy levels? Pray for someone you dislike. You think Abraham loved the people in Sedom? Well, listen, maybe he loved them, but not their, 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 their actions. Who knows? But what's the point? Pray for someone that you feel you dislike, someone that hurt you, someone that you might say, even though I don't want to say this, but someone you think you hate. Pray for the person. Pray that the person's helped. Pray that the person sees the light, sees success, gets closer to Hashem, becomes a better person, grows, finds health, peace. That's how we could strengthen our muscle of Ahava Israel. So this week, when we read Noah, and we read the heartbreaking reality that the world got to a place so bad that Hashem had to literally wipe it out with a flood, that the world we live in today must also be helped and that we have the ability to do it. We should, of course, first worry about ourselves, our homes, our families, our communities. But after we tick and tie that a little bit and we have what's close to us in a good place, in a flow, we must also care for our friends. We must also care for our colleagues, our community members, our fellow Jews around the world. We must. In fact, many sages say, we'll bring Mashiach. What destroyed the Beit HaMikdash? Irrational hatred. So how do we bring back redemption? Irrational love. And loving someone the way you love yourself is completely irrational. Loving someone who hurt you is completely counterintuitive. Feeling someone's joy or pain is very difficult. And dedicating time and effort to bring positive change to others is hard. And I recently read something Rabbi Nachman said, Hashem intentionally created the world in a deficient, imperfect state because he wanted us to partner with him in the process of creation. Hashem could have created a finished product, a perfect world with no deficiencies, but he didn't. Because there would then be nothing left for us to do. So if we see something that's deficient, says Rabbi Nachman, if we see something that's broken, know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is allowing us to see it because he knows that we have the creative ability to fix it. Digest that. When you see people going through things or not, do, not being proper, or the world's... Hashem is showing that to you because you have a way to impact it. Now, could you change the whole world overnight? But you could impact it even an inch. Even a little bit you could contribute. And listen, Noah might not have known this too well, or maybe Noah didn't take enough action on this. God forbid to say anything negative about Noah HaSadiq, but it's just a lesson to learn. Let's do what Avraham and Moshe did and strengthen and express our love for others. Love you all. Good night.